0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for on the money presented by embassy national bank
1: that music is available for license by the way welcome everybody to this week's edition of on the money we are the number one small business show on business radio x The show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution whose deposits are insured by the FDIC, and on this show, we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed because at Embassy National Bank, we're proud of how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, and I'll be your moderator. I'm also the president at Embassy National Bank, and we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio. So today we're going to talk about leadership, engagement of employees, getting everybody on the same team, but we're going to approach it in a very different way than I've seen before. But when I heard about it, it clicked and I went, yeah, I get it. So welcome, Alan Schaefer. Thank you very much. So you're the one, you're the one that gets it. I did get it. Yes. (laughs) I'll be here all week. Okay. And uh, he runs a company called Banding People Together, and that's bandingpeopletogether.com. And Alan, you tell them, t- t- tell them about your background and what you do. Well, my background's a little Forrest Gumpish
0: all over the place. I am a uh, recovering entrepreneur and recording artist consultant. And uh, I spent a good bit of my adult life uh, building businesses and touring the world. As a uh, as the lead singer and frontman for the Atlanta-based band Five Star Iris, you know I was having some problems with my band one day. Imagine that! I was out in Los Angeles having kind of one of these LA moments, and there was a gentleman named Briggs Ferguson who was the CEO of a company called City Search, and he was a friend of mine. And he was actually, if I back up, I was there was in 1993, 1993 there was this brand new thing called the internet. You guys heard of this thing? Yeah. <laughs> uh I remember at the NASDAQ International Business Plan competition being told it was a fad. Uh, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name, just to remind him.
1: Just like uh Bitcoin's a fad, fad right? Fad, <laughs> yes. Fad. It's a fad. If you couldn't touch it, taste it, feel sure, it, it was a Facebook's fad. Facebook's a fad. LinkedIn's a fad. Th- yeah. Got it. Okay.
0: And so, um, but this was a gentleman who was really, um, really helpful, you know, when we got acquired. It was uh you know, as a young guy building and selling a company, and then, you know, you get taken over, and you, they write you a big check, and then the pain and anguish starts sometimes, yeah. right? Right. And, but this guy was a great uh, resource, and I kept in touch, and we're having this L.A. moment, and I said, man, I'm having some problems with my band, and he, oh, shocker, you know, imagine that. And he asked. He said to me, uh, he goes, there's a book that I really think would help you, and it was called Five Dysfunctions of a Team by a guy named Patrick Lencioni. And it's a leadership fable. And it's essentially this, this book that is, um, you know, where the Silicon Valley tech company, they're misaligned with their executive team. The board brings in a new CEO a 59-year-old woman from the East Coast who knows nothing about technology. And it's like a soap
1: opera in terms of them getting along. And I'm reading this book. I think I did read that book. Yeah, by it's the way. amazing. Yeah, it's it's really it's. Didn't she walk in the room and say one of you won't be here six months from now? Yeah, or she she might have. Yeah, right. Hey,
0: raise your hand if you're going to be here. Hey, I would raise your hand. <laughs> right. um, and uh, I, as I'm reading the book, I go, "Holy cow, we're screwed!" And it's them. It's all my bandmates. It has nothing to do with me, of course. And so um, that was what kind of put me on the path of of. Uh, leadership, um, behavior, self-awareness, team performance, organizational development, that sort of thing.
1: That's how you got started. Where is the company now? The company now, so the company uh, Banding People Together, we started
0: uh, really as this um, team-building idea. Like I'd learned about this thing back in 2008 called team-building, Um, where people do different activities to bond or learn or whatever it is. And I thought,
1: do these challenge classes, courses, all that stuff.
0: Exactly. And I thought, well, man, I could go into corporate America and teach people how to write songs and that would just be another flavor. And then someone said to me, well, you need an instructional designer. I mean, respectfully, you seem pretty smart, but you can't just be, Hey, Hey dude, I'm the band dude here to write a song (laughs) with everyone. And, uh, so then I had to Google what an instructional designer was and figured out that out and built this curriculum around what we do. And since then, we have uh, really, really evolved and, and grown. Uh, we wanted to make more of an impact, and I had this idea of being able to measure, actually measure uh, and teach uh, in a really uh, structured way what it means to work together effectively. And so I found a PhD that uh, was not crazy enough to work with the band guy. And uh, we built a series of diagnostics and assessments that measure collaboration on an individual level, mm-hmm. team level, organizational level. So then we started doing training and development So for all kinds of organizations. And then um, that has evolved also into a boutique consultancy, so where we do cultural change, uh, transformational change, and, and collaborative your, some strategy. Some of
1: your clients are?
0: Uh, NASA, ESPN, Microsoft,
1: Hilton sony hard rock so you've got um what has what started as oh my gosh i gotta get five people together has morphed into this let me show you how to get two to three hundred people together
0: uh actually more how do you get an entire organization together
1: there you go yeah
0: so what we call collaborative strategy and and so the interesting thing is in the business that i'm in is most people don't know they have a problem i mean ask you know it's it is a well-known fact that everyone is a great collaborator by themselves, and so um there's there's a complexity and there's there's you know if you look at kind of the reason why we go you need
1: to repeat that you need to repeat what you just said about everyone has a collaborative ability yes
0: well actually what so sarcastically because i've been known for a little that just warning you man um you know ask anyone they'll tell you they're a great collaborator right They're always great when they collaborate by themselves. That's what we like to joke around. Um, But there's a really good reason why collaboration is so difficult. And the problem that we solve, and really the reason we exist, is to solve the problem of what we call collaborative insanity. And collaborative insanity is a pretty simple idea. You can't just tell people to work together better and expect them to be able to do it. And I mean, if you look in organizations, you know, the executive team, they go out to the fancy retreat. They go to the mountain, and they come back, and they put out the tablets. Thou shalt collaborate. Get to it.
1: And now now we're all buddies and friends, and now we should work together better. Yes, and
0: bonding just doesn't do it. But there's a reason for the insanity, and the reason for the insanity is because what's collaborative to you and what's collaborative to somebody else, not the same thing. It's completely subjective, and so what it means Your experience and the lens that you look through when you are working together with somebody on a number of levels is just really different. And so that creates a complexity. And so what we do, and the reason is that complexity is caused by a very simple problem. There are no collaborative rules of the road. We create in our framework, and our methodology, the collaborative rules of the road. This about structure and governance. For that
1: particular group.
0: Generally speaking, behaviorally speaking, so how as an individual, based on your personality preference, your motivation, your way of being, and who you are, how do you show up authentically into the collaborative process, not changing who you are, but actually understanding how you fit into the sound? And I I think it's also fair to mention that um, what's unique about our methodology is it combines behavioral science but it's served up in a music-infused, music-centric skin.
1: All right, um, let's go back, because make sure that everybody understands the premise, and uh, those of you out there who are not musicians um, may struggle to understand this, but those of you who are uh, have had their favorite band, or they've listened to a lot of music, you think that sometimes that music just evolves on its own, but for a band to come together like some of the great groups, there has got to be a massive effort that comes together. Yes. Um, but behind all that, you've got the minds and the creativity of some very, very talented artists. So there's got to be a lot of head banging that goes on before <laughs> the lights come on.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is just like every business, every team, every band has its own way of working their own process. So the way that, Somebody like Coldplay achieves success and creates. It's completely different than someone like you too. Completely different than someone like Aerosmith. I mean, you look at someone like Aerosmith. Part of their process is Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. You know, <laughs> knocking the you know what out of each other right. to get to whatever the result. And that's just that's what they part do. of the process, right? You know, and they they're honest about it. They've gotten there, and that's that. And so, you know, for any business owner, any anybody that's part of a team or, or or managing, leading a team, you know, figuring out like, what is our process? Like how do we roll? Like, you know, even within an organiz a large organization, you have microcultures. So like this team in accounting versus this team in, you know, as opposed to this team in marketing or two small teams within one function might really function very differently collaboratively speaking. For all those reasons we've been talking about, like just the makeup of the people, the
1: personalities, the motivation, where they are in the organization. Well, like, so let me make sure I get this. So you help them understand a group how they come to a decision. Well, that's that's part of it. So so we're talking about a, so that's I, something that none of us hardly ever think about.
0: Yes. Well, so the, the decision making process is a subset of the larger collaborative process. So so think about this. What we are providing is the behavioral and tactical how of when people come together and have to accomplish something, how do we get them aligned? How do we tune out all the noise that keeps us from being aligned? And it can be as simple as what you what you think is the objective and what i think is the objective are not the same it can be from a personality perspective you are very much a detail person and i'm a big picture person so for whatever reason we can't connect and speak the same language and it starts to that's what starts to erode the dynamic to where i go you know what i don't want to get together i don't want to work with him on this project because last time it was just a pain because he never got what i was talking about that type of
1: thing okay so let's take a um well, let's, let's go back and talk about some of the bands and some of the chemistry. Like, uh, you know, look at, let's look at one of the ones that have been together forever, the Rolling Stones. Um, each of those folks, they have to understand the role that they have, and they've got to be comfortable with the role.
0: Exactly. That is a phenomenal point. So, you know, if you look at some of the bands, especially like uh, U2 or Aerosmith, like, you know, you two, they'll say, um, you know, Bono and the Edge and the other two, or uh, if Aerosmith, Steven and Joe and the other three, everybody has, you know, the differences create the sound. Mm-hmm. And people being comfortable with what they bring to the sound or in a in teaming environment, the collaborative environment is really, really important. You have some people that just based on their personality preferences, they are actually the most comfortable behind the scenes. They would, they would, they'd rather take a bullet, then be the lead singer, be out front. And then there's people who only want to be up front and can't stand to be behind the scenes. And so getting to a place where we have what we call clear clear roles in the band, who does what and why, and getting everybody on a leadership level. You know, my job every day, even with my team, is to get, I've got all these amazingly talented people. My job is to get them in what we call the groove. Where where are they going to excel? Where's their sweet spot? That's where I want them. And make sure they're all on the same page. Yes. So alignment, you know, here's something really interesting that most people we find don't really even think about. Um, You know, first of all, people think about collaboration as an activity. Hey, you and I are going to get together. Hey, we're collaborating. In our methodology, collaboration is a process. And it's a process that has structure, uh, agreed upon set of norms and behaviors. That's that rules of the road piece. But the whole goal is alignment. And to, it's actually to increase productivity and efficiency, mm-hmm. which is counterintuitive because most people go, wait a minute, if I collaborate, it's actually going to slow me down. There's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen. When you have the governance and structure and the rules of the road, you actually increase productivity and efficiency. And the process feels as good as the result. And it, And part of what engages people is you're doing something very important. You're giving people a voice in any dynamic, in any human relationship, whether it is man, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, employer, employee, people need to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't have a voice, they can't do something really important. They can't contribute. Okay, And that's an important idea.
1: Just taking a quick break. You're listening to On The Money, and uh, we're talking about leadership from a completely different angle with Alan Schaefer. Um, and he's got a company called Banding People Together, been very, very successful in getting people to collaborate better uh, by showing them how to collaborate um, and why collaboration is so, so important. I have this theory of, and I I did a lot of efficiency work, and my thought was people would come in and ask me, you know, we got to cut staff or whatever. And, um, and I thought about that and I thought about John in accounting who is very outgoing, very, very smart, understands the business better than anybody in the company, but he's floundering in in accounting. Uh, and I think about the, the guy over who's trying to, um, sell the product. And he's really struggling with dealing with people every day, and it's just really affecting him. But he's a, he's a good person. So I always came up with this concept, good person, bad job. So what, what I would do is I would identify those people in the company, irrespective of what job they had. Um, who are the good people? And I would go around and say, we're going to go through an effort here. You need to know something. Despite what anybody says, you have a job here. I don't know what it is, but you're going to have a job. And so what you do, just like you said, is you try to fit the person into the right job.
0: Yeah. You know, that's uh that's a really important idea when it comes to managing talent. Um, so many, in so many cases, the reason somebody gets put in a job is simply because they're available on a leadership level. Our job is to help people step into their best selves. So how do we put them in a position sure. to succeed? So, you know, when you have, when you have someone who uh, maybe isn't very process centric and isn't a dot every i, cross every t person, and you put them in a job that requires coming up with processes, and they're not, you know, and they are, and they are failing miserably. Right. There's, there's a reason. And you know, a very simple exercise. If you're maybe not getting uh, a level of performance out of somebody, especially you know, in a in a smaller business that you think is smart, you, you know they're smart, you know they're a good person. Sometimes just taking a step back and going, you know. I'd be really curious to understand, what do you love about what you do here? And what are the things that are like, you know, nails on a chalkboard? For, like what, you know, and not to say that you're not going to have to do some of those things because, hey, we're a small business and we need you to wear f- several different hats. But it's very, very surprising. I mean, I've I've done this with everybody on my team. I actually had this conversation with my wife who was working with us at one point. And what I realized was I had such unrealistic expectations of what her level of performance could be. it turned out that if you know I was ch- I was really challenging her to come up with these processes and the structure well she's amazing if that structure already exists she'll she'll knock it out of the park all day long but I'm sitting there going, well you're smart, you must not be paying attention. You must not be trying hard. That, let me tell you, that's a great dinner table conversation. Yeah,
1: I bet it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, honey, I'm going to chop off your head, but hey, could you pass the salt? Um, so, um, did you know you had all these things wrong about you?
0: Yeah. All right. So, so, so just that, just a simple, and I've done this with everyone on my team, and and to you know, to your credit, you can't be afraid to um, you know to pivot and go. You know what? man, there's, there's a whole lot more value here that you can provide. And this goes back to the contribution piece. Mm-hmm. We are all designed, this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like we all want to be a part of something and we all want to contribute. And so I believe that you know your job as a leader or someone running a business is to help figure out where's the sweet spot and how can someone contribute in a meaningful way. That's actually going to trump pay. That's going to trump all these other things. And that's the difference between someone waking up in the morning and going, when they're on their way to work going, I get to, instead of I have to, that's how you
1: get an engaged workforce. All right. Uh, let, let me talk about that for a minute. Um, And I have a, there's, I'm going down a path here. So what you just described as the head of the company, is that the most important job they have in the company is to get all the people in the right places doing all the right things? I believe so. Okay. All right. That's a big fault around with some small business people. And we've talked about this a lot, how they they get into a small business because they like doing a certain function where they, let's say it's an accountant. An accountant decides, I don't want to work for the big firm. i open up my own. And for the first year or so, it's fine. But as they start to grow, they realize, and I have to come to a point where they realize, for me to be successful, I can no longer be an accountant. I have to run a business. Right, And then that's... And that's a major switch for a lot of people, it, and um, and then you you're asking an accountant now to come in and say, okay, I'm no longer an accountant. I have to run this company, and you may or may not have the the tools to do that. And it's a real humbling oh yes um, exercise to go through to determine whether you've got what it takes or not.
0: Yeah, you know, we all we all have blind spots. I think as an entrepreneur, you know, I. Every company I've had, I've, you know, we've been small, we've had to, I, I've, everyone's had to wear a lot of hats, but my job is to get people aligned, doing the right work and create a place where people want to be. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I would get, I, I think when you're a business owner, it's a very unrealistic idea. Like it's very easy. The, the blind spot is no, but you can have someone that's been with you for years. They can show up every day. You can train them. You can teach them they are never going to have the same, they're never going to look through the same lens or have the same level of expertise that you have. And I remember I've got a, what I call a team of Yodas. I mean, really, really accomplished, successful senior executive folks from huge organizations that have continued to help me. And I was having some frustration with my team. And this one gentleman said to me, he goes, Alan, he goes, for a smart guy, you know, it's pretty dumb. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, the idea that you think that everyone on your team, that anyone on your team is ever going to see what you can see is absolutely insane. And as soon as you can get right with that idea, then you're going to be able to help. You're going to have a different level of tolerance and patience. And you're going to realize that part of your job of helping them step into their best selves and developing your team is to help people is to help right. fill those, those gaps.
1: And an- another, a. uh, uh Blind spot that I have, for example, is I don't, in fact, someone showed it just the other day that came in my office and said, you remember when you were in my office and you said this? Well, that really scared me to death. You know, you you know, laid this thing out. And I go back to that conversation, and I don't remember having said it that way. So the blind spot a lot of times is, underst- and then and another person, someone asked me in an interview, said, What kind of leader are you? And I had to respond, I have no idea. I tell you what I'd like to be like, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that I am. People perceive you differently than what you think, and it's very important to be able to step around on the other side and understand that.
0: Yeah, so the work that we do around leadership or collaboration, it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-awareness. It's absolute self-awareness. It's that simple. How do I show up? You know, is it like – you know, I've When you have a really, really intelligent person that's not getting what you're saying, uh, it's really, really easy to go, ha- or, or, or just anyone on the other end, it's them. How do they not understand it? How do they not get it? What I realize is it's my job to help people get it. We had our leadership team call today, this morning, and there are two things that for a year I've been trying to get our team to latch on to and do and for some reason, I finally got it through. Now I could have easily put my foot down and said, "Look, this is what we're going to do." I could have done that six months ago. Not, not. I didn't think that was the right way to go, and uh, unfortunately, it took a lot longer. But today, all of a sudden, I was able to cut through in a different way. And one of the things that I learned—I have a degree in in public relations—and one of the things that always stuck with me is like, it doesn't matter. Like, if if the message isn't getting through, it's not the other it's not the other person's fault. Your job is to figure out how to come up with the message that's gonna cut through so they understand. And the question is, do you have the patience and the gumption and the guts to have that conversation 50 times if necessary and not blow your cool? And most of us don't.
1: Well, the trick for me is that I have to, I try to plant a seed because I realize that with a lot of people that I deal with, it's got to be their idea. (laughs) Yeah. So I plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed, and all of a sudden it comes up with their idea. Now they you wanna say that's what I've been trying to tell you for the last six months, but they don't want to hear that. All you can say internally is, thank God. Yeah. That's it's, an so that's
0: an ego thing. And you know, I've heard it said, you know what ego stands for? Edging greatness out. <laughs> that's one of the ways that we get in our own way. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, we all know those people. Actually, that's called um in our methodology, it's called a sour note. It's one of the things that our diagnostic points out. So uh, the idea that um, someone, you know, if if someone comes up with a better idea, uh, they can't let go or they can't let go of their original idea to let it evolve within the group think. Uh, there's we know we've all worked with people like that. It's really it's crazy. It's like you have to. Yeah, jet but it's hard. It's yeah, hard. It's, yeah, Al- although if you create the right conditions within the team. We call each other out on all that stuff, and right. I'm and I man, I sign the checks, and I am not immune. Any any time that I exercise one of those, you know, behaviors that derail the collaborative process, it is an expectation for anyone on my team to check me into the boards politely and hopefully with a little bit of respect. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's I mean, again, under the guise that we are all here to help each other step into our best selves.
1: It's that simple. Yeah, there. But everybody has a desire to be noticed and to receive credit for what they feel like their contribution is. Isn't there a someone who is you're trying to be collaborative and you and you you feel like that you've made a big impact? At the end of the day, you want to be rewarded for that. How do you how do you get noticed in today's world without seeming to be edging greatness out? Yeah, you know what's so funny. So again, another
0: one of the sour notes that gets measured and and pointed out is, um, uh, does not share credit and glory with others, right? So there's certain people that we might work with, you know, here's the person that, um, maybe is, uh, has three people on their team that they're leading and the three people, one of those people came up with the amazing idea. There's the person who, who takes the credit and says, yes, our team, our, we were great. And then, and then I would maybe suggest that then there's the actual leader, who steps up in front of the CEO or, who, or the board or whoever it is and say, yeah, our team did a great job and so-and-so, man, they're the one that came up with the game-changing idea. Again, just because someone's managing people does not mean they're actually a leader. Well,
1: and that, that, um, that gets back to third person sales is a lot more effective, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if I go to, lazarus and say you really need to meet this Allen guy that's coming across a lot stronger than you going to him and say you know what i'm really really good
0: (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) of course here's the here's the other thing we could we could boil this down a much more simple fashion do you know um rule 51 in the band
1: world yes you do i know the band yeah i've heard their music
0: no 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 this is a the rule 51 no 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 rule number
1: 51 in the world of bands
0: just be cool right? You want to know what uh, Rule 52 is? Don't be a jerk. You want to know what Rule 53 is? Don't break 51 or 52. <laughs> we actually all know the difference between right or wrong. We all know what it feels like, you know, to be
1: treated a certain way. You know, it's a choice that we all make. Well, and and um, interesting, different performers, I think, recognize it early on that they don't want to be in a band. Yep. And so they end up staying Prince, good example. Yeah. Uh, although he always put together the great bands, but there was no doubt who was in charge and to who the glory was going. Right. But anyway, um, and then uh, James Taylor comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He never wanted, never, never was in a band all by himself. So different performers or whatever, different people like that. I think credit to them. They they understand if they do fit or they don't fit.
0: Yeah, you know. Big difference between confidence and arrogance, you know, in my travels, you know, I've met a lot of people, a lot of very accomplished people and, um, you know, someone who's really intelligent doesn't have to tell you how smart they are, right. someone how powerful is, someone who has a lot of power, doesn't have to tell you how powerful they are. Someone who's absolutely really wealthy, never going to tell you how much you'll they, never know. Right. So again, that's all, everyone's different. Everyone has a different, uh, Way of wanting to be acknowledged or and recognized those, and
1: those are the people i remember my dad had a buddy growing up and um he drove a uh uh 15 year old car and i played golf with him and i was younger and that man never lost it we played in naples out in the swamps and the man never lost a golf ball because if a go- ball went in the swamp we stayed there till that man found the golf ball period, wow. in a sense oh yeah Alligator snakes, everything. I said. I told my dad. I said I feel kind of sorry for the guy, and he says, uh, and they, you know, wore nasty shorts, nasty T-shirt, all these things. I said, don't feel sorry for him. Yeah. The man's worth fifty
0: million bucks. You, you know what's so funny? So, relative to the fifteen-year-old car, uh, I have a sixteen-year-old car, and as a thirty-year-old, uh, as a you know, I, I had this idea that I was going to be in a position to retire by the time I was thirty for some reason. I don't know why uh, and uh, so I sold my company by the time I was 30 at least for a minute I was looked like I was done and I bought I actually bought a car I went from having no car uh, and my friends were like man you should buy a Ferrari you should buy this I'm like man I don't have anything proof." I bought a Honda Accord and I was like I'm going to drive it until it it's dies tough. and now I'm probably someone's gonna give me like a thousand bucks for it today yeah. like I had to find the title last night and I'm i'm sad because this afternoon you know i've had this car for 16 years you know
1: well there's nothing wrong with that i know um Part, the, parting is such sweet yes. sorrow and the people that talk about you know i was I, people come in salespeople come in and i tell them i got 30 minutes okay well they spend 15 minutes telling me about themselves mm,
0: enough of Hey, enough of you talking about me. Let me hear enough of me talking about me. Let me hear you talk
1: about me. And we have a guy on the show who says the number one thing is you forget about talking about yourself, where your credibility was, will come from is in your ability to listen to them and to solve their problems.
0: You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that. And so, you know, people ask us, it's like, uh, how do you get all these big clients and whatnot? I, I don't sell anything. I just hang out and listen. If I can, if I if I can help, if you can identify a problem or I can help you identify a problem and I can solve it, I want to try and help you solve it. And if I identify the problem and I can't solve it, but I know someone who can, I'm going to go here. This sure. person can help you. I have no problem turning away business. I We want to help people. And that's the name of the game. And so it makes it pretty simple to do business that way.
1: Well, I need to do another break. You're listening to Alan Schaefer on On The Money, and we're talking about uh, bringing people together he does it from a different perspective uh was very active in a worldwide band and had some band problems and now has taken what he learned from that and it helps a lot of businesses bring all their people together um all right what was wrong with your band <laughs> well you know what's so funny and how did you fix it
0: well i have former band members <laughs> We were more like a solo project in band's clothing. And if you asked any of the, and we're all friends, but if you asked any of the like the fact that I do this type of work now is so phenomenal to them. I was like a tyrant with a smile, you know? It was a my way or the highway, and if you disagreed, I wasn't going to yell or scream about it, but I was going to wear you down, try and state the case. Um, you know, arguably, you know, It was, if you think about the band dynamic, um, you know, you've got people have different ideas creatively, different ideas about the business. Some people are putting in, it seems, more effort than others. Um, Everyone has kind of different pain points in terms of, hey, am I really willing to go out on the road this long and make no money and come back and deal with my wife who's unhappy that I just had a party for six weeks on the road and came Mm -hmm. back with no money, whatever it is. Um, These are, this is just the reality. And it's a... I think you can make the argument that the band dynamic um is arguably one of the most volatile collaborative environments on a leadership level, alignment level, performance level, ego level. I mean, just watch behind the music. I mean, it's it's really crazy and 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 it's it's interesting. You know, at banding, man, we're really great at loving each other. We we're like we are like the most tight-knit band. You could take any combination of any of our people and you can feel it when we walk in the room because like for us this is there's this like sacred idea that like this is the dynamic, the band dynamic that we all we always wanted in our bands, but could never achieve. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, teaching people how to get to that spot's really important. You mentioned Prince. Can I tell you a really quick Prince story? Sure, absolutely. You know, with all the Prince stuff that was going around, you know, I always there's a few things that I think of, and everyone's got their Prince memory, but I have a really unique Prince memory. I was working for Warner Electra Atlantic the distribution company for Warner Brothers. And I was working for 13 radio promotion people at the same time. Their job was to get singles played on the radio. And one of the Warner Brothers reps came in on like a Thursday afternoon. I was an assistant for 13 people at one time. Dropped off a box of CDs and said, make sure these go out to my P1s, you know, the primary stations. I'm like, yeah, no problem. It was the new Prince single. She had promised it that they would have it on Monday, they'd get to preview it, all that stuff, and that Tuesday was ad day at radio, and that's when you play the new songs. And it's Prince, right? Right. I get a call Tuesday morning. Hey, Alan, I'm getting screaming calls from all of my program directors, and they want to know where the Prince single is. You did send it out, didn't you? All of a sudden, I look under my desk, and as my heart is dropping, I see this box of CDs sitting there. Now, I think that's probably punishable. That's like by death, right? Right, like, right, um, right, right, right. And I'm like, oh man, this is. I have made a mistake on a level of such biblical proportion that and I, you didn't have email, so you couldn't email that. The that sign I out. shall right. not recover from this. So I'm going. This is going to be my first firing. But getting, I'm going to be the fiery. And um, there was a there was a guy named Danny Davenport who. Um, Was my supervisor, and I'll never forget. He calls me into his office, and he knew I was band guy, guitar player. And he's got his back to me in a swivel chair, and he's like, "You know, you really, really messed up here, Alan." I'm like, "Yeah, man. Yeah, I know." He's like, "I, I don't know. I don't know if I can save you this time." I said, "Man, I understand. This is a tall order." Then all of a sudden, he turns around. He's got a guitar. He goes, "Hey, man, can you show me this Dire Straits lick?" (laughs) And I said, "Well, let me take a look." And so I like, it's like a cassette, and, and we're going fat, and I'm like writing out the tab for right. the stuff. And I show him the lick. I'm like, play it. I'm, you got it. Here you go. He looks at me, he goes, and he hits me on the shoulder. He's like, all right, I'm going to fix this. But I can't save you again if you come in close to something this screwy. <laughs> so, the message for all you business owners out there people make mistakes. And what's important is, you know, are you people learning from it? And I will tell you that of course you anytime yeah. somebody makes a huge mistake in our in our moving parts uh of what we do I I always think about that you know everybody's human and the question is you know is everyone doing their
1: best and that confirms another thing we've learned on this show is that people want to hear more about mistakes than they do successes <laughs> yes because people learn from mistakes and people like hearing uh, and not in a morbid way uh, people who have uh, and they been able to accomplish things yeah. when they mentor back, the the mentoree wants to hear more about the mistakes than they do sure. all the successes. I
0: mean, if you think about any movie, I mean, it, nobody's interested in a story of nothing but success. Right. We're just not programmed that way, right? So if you just look at the arc of a story, like you know, here's the, you know, here's people meet, you know, boy girl meet, they, you know, they they fall in love, they get to oh no, now there's trouble, tragedy, whatever, gotta end it in tragedy and, and, or, or or whatever it is, and as the viewer of that story, we want to know, well, how are they going to deal? How are they going to overcome it? And I fundamentally believe that we are defined by, you know, we are defined by how we overcome things, you know, by how we recover. It's just, you know, and some people are better at it than others. And, um, there's a lot of other factors in terms of what makes someone recover well or not. You know,
1: I've, and as a result, that's why I keep telling all my friends that the Tiger Woods story is not yet finished. <laughs>
0: <Because> <laughs> his story
1: will, be, he, story will be in how he has recovered. Yeah, And you will find that he is doing incredible things in areas outside of golf.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, y- you know, it's a fascinating thing how we kind of, we, we root for the underdog, root for the underdog, root for
1: the underdog until then they get on top. And then are, are and we, they, fir- all right, I'm going to ask you this through, I I take Michael Jordan, uh, take Tiger Woods, take pinnacles of success. People are afraid of success. And I think that's why so many people dislike tigers because he was so good. They couldn't relate to it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny after we sold our company, my, my twin brother, who was the bass player, you know, I remember reading, uh, opening creative loafing and, you know, there was, uh, There was some quote that said, you know, the Schaefer brothers have made the best record their dot-com money can buy. It was this total slam. And I'm usually the more outspoken, a little more confrontational, aggressive one, you know. He looked at me and he said, you know, Alan, they never take shots at you when you're number two. (laughs) And I went, wow. Wow. And it's an interesting thing because, you know, people cheered, rooted for it. I mean, for six years we starved. We took a $30,000 equity line of credit on my parents' house. I had right. eviction notices. When I had eviction notices and my girlfriend, who became my wife, had to drive me around and buy me groceries, people were cheering for me. When I sold my company for eight figures, it was like, oh, you're just the rich schmuck that's uh sure. you know, buying
1: his way around the music scene. Sure. It's nuts. And uh, always remember that any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yes, and which I think there's someone who is uh, campaigning around this country of ours who is playing that little proverb to a T. Give them something to talk about. I mean, all those reality people like it's all calculated,
0: like even in the music business, like the actors or the, uh, you know, the hey, if you know. When someone is on uh, entertainment tonight for whatever wrongdoing they did or getting arrested in Hollywood or whatever, you know, you, or or some kind of drama, they usually got a new movie coming out that they're getting ready. To, Absolutely I mean, it, it's, they it's do. pretty calculated in, sure. this, in this kind of
1: reality theater that we live in. It's lame. Yeah. Well, we could go on and on about all that kind of stuff, but uh, we're out of time. I'm sorry, but I found I find the conversation fascinating and, and I think, uh, uh, one thing people should know about musicians and bands are they very creative people typically, and they're also very, very intelligent people. So if you can get a band together, you probably get just about anything together. Yes. Um, and, um, so what you do with, the, and by the way, you need to develop some tools that you can roll out to the small business, whether it be web tools or whatever. And, uh, and, and, and try to take this down. Cause I think the small business owner, probably needs it more than the large company
0: agreed and, and i'll tell you for anybody listening if you uh if you email me at alan a-l-a-n at banding people together.com i've got a white paper that i wrote with the uh, keenan flagler business school at unc chapel hill on building collaborative culture will we'll get you thinking differently about what it means to get your people working together and if you send it uh, send me an email i'll i'll uh i'll send it your way
1: okay good thanks for being on the show thanks for having me thanks Uh, for having a great platform and um we'll do this again i like to get uh folks back so we'll you know give us a couple months and we'll reach out to you again fantastic thanks for having me so anyway that's our show for today this has been on the money the number one small business show on business radio x we're presented by embassy national bank As you know, you can follow us on Twitter at um, on underscore the underscore money, then the number one. Um, Our shows are out at onthemoney.businessradiox.com. Go to iTunes. You can find them also. And we also have a, a video component that you can see out on the Gwinnett YouTube channel, Business Radio X. So until next time, I'm Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank. And just remember all the things that we have Always learned on the show, and we talk about be careful out there. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, think before you act. Leave fear in the back seat. And the one that we like the most around here is stay authentic. Be yourself. Uh, and you that will go a lot further than trying to be somebody you're not. So with that, have a great day, and we will see you next time.